welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things Black history and beyond. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 61 of the History Hotline. My name is Deanna Lynn Cook and I am your host today. As always, if this is your first episode, thank you so much for joining us and I hope you enjoy all that we'll be talking about today. And if you are back, then thanks for coming back and again, enjoy this episode. So today we're speaking about one of my favourite shows of all time. I've mentioned it before on this podcast, you know from the title already, but it's Desmond's, Channel 4's Desmond's that came on to screens, British screens, um, in 1989 um, and continued on to the early 90s. There were 71 episodes across six seasons and I believe it is, an, or it was, Channel 4's longest running sitcom in terms of episodes, um, whether that's of all time or at its at its kind of point when it was created, um, you know, written um, by Trix Worrell, who we're going to speak about a lot today. Um, we're going to be thinking about the impact of the show Desmond's, what it was all about, um, and, you know, the way in which it was important, not just for, you know, standard viewership at the time, but also why it's important now to have shows like this available on streaming platforms like 4OD, Netflix, for us in, you know, 2022 to watch and look back at a time like the 80s and the, and the early 90s. So I hope you enjoy this episode um, and yeah, let's get into it. So before we get into Desmond's itself, it's important to set the context for British TV at the time and black British TV, if we can even call it that. Now, Desmond's wasn't the first kind of show with black people on telly in Britain. Um, the Fosters was a television program produced by London Weekend Television, aired on ITV from 1976 till 1977, which had just over a year run so it wasn't a really long show um in the same way that Desmond's kind of spanned years and and went over six seasons um this show actually featured two of the um cast members of Desmond so the the main characters um Norman Beaton and Carmen Monroe who played Desmond and Shirley um in Desmond's they played um Norman Beaton played Samuel Foster, who was a hardworking man supporting his family um, in South London. Um, and Carmen Monroe actually plays like the best friend of the main character, Samuel Foster's wife, Pearl Foster's best friend, um, Vilma, who is um, a bit of a gossipy best friend. Um, so they're both in there, interestingly enough. Um, but this finishes in 77 and then it's not till 89 you get Desmond's. So just thinking about the Fosters and then Desmond's and the kind of shows that they paved the way for, like The Real McCoy, No Problem, The Lenny Henry Show, um, which you might be more familiar with if you're kind of maybe a bit younger, not to, to age shame anyone here. <laughs> um, but essentially, you know, there wasn't exactly a pick of the bunch when it came to seeing black people on television. And even though black people... Um, especially from the Caribbean, had, you know, been migrating since, like, 1948 and in bigger numbers in the 50s and early 60s. It's not until 76 where, you know, there's a show with an entirely black cast, 1976. So what was, you know, representation like before that? It wasn't, it didn't exist. Um, black characters would have featured within other shows. And one of those shows I wanted to speak about um, is Love Thy Neighbour. Now, I don't know if anyone's watched Love Thy Neighbour. If you haven't, it's available on YouTube, but I... I kind of don't want, don't watch it because 
it's bad it's really 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 bad and watching it in 2022 is even worse like I can imagine watching it then was bad but watching it now is painstaking it's very racially violent not actual violence but like the the language the themes the like situations and scenarios that the characters are in are not okay in any way shape or form and I don't want people to to flood them because not to say they'll get cancelled and they would deserve it but it really does highlight what tv was like at that time and the contrast of something like that to a show like desmond's is so important when we're thinking about um tv now love thy neighbor came out in 1972 and ran till 76 actually so just before the foster started now it's a sitcom it was a british sitcom and it actually went over eight series 53 episodes so not as many as desmond's um but it fe- featured, um, this, the cast were a man called Jack Smithhurst, um, Kate Williams, who played the white couple, um, Eddie and Joan Booth, and then Rudolph Walker, um, Patrick Truman from EastEnders, um, and Nina Baden-Semper, who played um, the black couple, Bill and Barbie Reynolds. Um, and they are next door neighbours, um, and the black couple move in a bit later, and it's in like outer London, um, in like Twickenham, it's set there. Um, and so Rudolph Walker, um, he, in an article, has said that the show is about um, a black guy and a white guy being damn stupid. Um, and really, I think it's highlighting this kind of racial tensions that would happen only between two neighbours. Um, it's not the kind of racism you'd necessarily see in the workplace. It's not manifesting itself in the same way. It's manifesting itself as neighbours. Um I think I wasn't there in the 70s, but um, the way that this show and the way I've read about um, the impact of this show on black people's lived experiences, um, you know, while this was airing is not ideal. Um, The thing that comes to mind is in Colin Grant's Homecoming, um, a book that features just kind of the testimonies of like lots of different people that came to Britain in that Windrush period. Um, there's one man, he said, I think he worked in a factory actually. And anytime he'd go to work the day after a new episode of Love Thy Neighbor came out, they would be using the same racial slurs that um, Eddie Booth had used on the show the night before. Um, and so that was something that's always stuck with me when I think about that show and its impact. But um, the writers said that the show includes like both anti-white and anti-black sentiments um, and it's like a mutual racism. I'm not sure that that is a thing. I don't think reverse racism is a real thing, especially in 1970s Britain as like the only black people on the street. I'm not sure they had much power economically or, you know, status wise to be actually racist now yes there's a controversy of like can black people be racist um i think racism relies on power that is the definition of it and they didn't in that context have power so in my opinion no um i'd go further and say factually no by definition no um but essentially yeah there's a lot of prejudice in the show a lot of racist language slurs um and I now watching it is quite uncomfortable like it makes you wince a little bit um it's on YouTube though like full episodes are on YouTube I don't know how they're still there um but also it really does 
highlight and I will say this and I will stress this the kind of idiocracy of racism because Eddie Booth comes out looking very stupid in every episode not that I've watched them all but the ones I have seen he just looks ridiculous um and his his wife kind of both of the women they kind of play like the supporting wife role um but they don't like necessarily get too involved um in the episodes I've watched anyway um but I will say that yeah Eddie Booth comes out looking quite stupid and just really ignorant a lot of the time but those jokes I think would have had um, actual ramifications in the real world and the fact that the representation of black people on telly kind of at this moment would have been you know Rudolph Walker um and Nina Baden-Semper's characters being kind of racially um targeted and and giving it back as well uh every week for a whole 53 episodes um a show like the fosters and then even more importantly desmond's um i just think is is so important and that's why i wanted to do this episode about this i think during my dissertation i was watching all these shows because i kind of wanted to write about tv but i didn't do that in the end um i picked a different topic um women and i didn't really get to you know talk about tv in my dissertation but i did decide at that point to start watching Desmond's from season one I'd not seen like I'd seen clips of it and I'd heard so much about it and I don't just don't know why I never actually went to find it but I just thought maybe it was it wouldn't be available but it's been on 4OD for a long time and then 2020 I think it went on to Netflix as well um so yeah that was really fun um and I'll be honest I actually only finished the whole six seasons um today on the day I'm recording and it was because I saved the final two episodes because I just really didn't want it to be over um because well the reason that Desmond stops filming is because Norman Beaton who plays Desmond Ambrose the main character um he gets sick um in real life and uh he passes away um shortly after and yeah the show doesn't go on it doesn't replace um his character or anything like that and I think that was quite quite a good thing I don't think it could have been done by anybody else um but yeah it, I, did, I didn't want to kind of get to that point because I didn't know how they had ended it um but it was a really beautiful episode it was a Christmas episode and it was really really nice but knowing I think what happened in real life um and kind of some of the themes of the of the show with Desmond spending essentially six seasons telling us about how much he wants to go back to Guyana and how he's saving for this land that he's going to build this beautiful house on and retire back home and then you know Norman Beaton actually passed away in Guyana also well not also because Desmond doesn't die in the show he just you know the show just stops um but no it's a wonderful show I'm kind of spoiling it but it's a sitcom it's not really you know written for the kind of um tension or suspense it's written for the comedy and it gives comedy i think i'm still laughing at it in 2022 the humor is is a1 now i think desmond's is so important because as i mentioned shows like love Line neighbor that came before it um which have black people kind of being ridiculed on telly and that has ramifications in the wider world um and then you get the show like the fosters which is like a step in the right direction and then you get a show like desmond's that centers a black man with his own business, providing for his whole family, um, serving the community of Peckham um, with this barbershop and the barbershop providing such a strong social space for Caribbean people 
um, and even wider communities as well. It's not just kind of the show has a majority black cast and crew, actually, which is so rare for even now, let alone then. Um, you know, it has all these black people in it and it just really highlights, I think, some of the positives of like black British culture at that time um, and what it what it actually looked like. It it feels authentic. It feels accurate. And it's, it's written by a man called Trix Worrell, who is a black man. And it makes all the difference because I think sometimes with some shows you can tell um, maybe as a black person watching that this was not written by people that look like us because it's not authentic. It doesn't feel right you know um but you don't get that at all with Desmond's and I feel like I'm I'm being transported back into that time when I watch it now um especially knowing like the history of the time and you know the things that were happening and the conversations that would have been socially politically going on um and so yeah that's why I wanted to talk about Desmond's today this is a very long introduction and a lot of context we're like 13 minutes in and we haven't really touched the surface but I think I want to start by giving you an introduction of, you know, how this show came about, who is Trix Worrell, why did he start this, why did he write this, who allowed him to, because I'm sure you can imagine there were not that many opportunities being given to black people at that time in television. So we're going to hear it from the horse's mouth himself. Trix Worrell's not here with me, I wish, but um, I do have a clip that I hope will not get pulled for copyright, pray for me, um, of Trix Worrell speaking at the BFI um, and speaking about how Desmond started and why he decided to write about a black barbershop in Peckham. And then Channel 4 were thinking of doing a sitcom and my name came up because through Dondi was one of the judges on a writer's competition that I'd won for Channel 4 called Debut 84. And up to this juncture, I've never really written comedy before. I'd done some satirical sketches at the Albany Empire, which is where I worked at the time, uh, running a new theatre company. And... Um, but I just thought I would like to meet this legend that's called Humphrey Barclay. Um, so I thought, okay, I'll go, and, I'll go and meet him. I had no clear idea of what I was going to sell to him or indeed what I was even going to say when I got there. I certainly knew that I wasn't going to come and pitch a comedy series because I didn't have one. However, on the way to the meeting, I never forget I was on the first six bus um, just going up... Um, up High Street near Peckham, and uh, there was a barbershop called Fair Deal. The bus drew up at the traffic lights, and I was looking down to see this uh, barbershop. And it was about 9 o'clock in the morning. Behind the barbershop was a girls' school called Collingdale, or Collingwood, I think it was called. Collingwood Girls' School, that's what it's called. And looking at the barbershop, the barbers, the guys that are working in the barbershop, all had their faces pressed up against the window. The other guy was outside the door, chirps in the girls as they went round, you know. And in the background, there were three people sitting in the barber chair, in their in their chairs respectively, just waiting for the barbers to continue their haircut. Some had some foam on his face. The other guy had half a shaved head. And I just thought, yeah, man, that reminded me that when I was a youth too of just going to those barber shops. That ultimately. You weren't there necessarily to get a haircut. Yes, you know, hair is important with black people, and it always has been. And this was the only place that you could, as a black man, get a haircut, a, barber, a black barber. But what was interesting was that it was that social hub. It really, you know, they did serve rice and, rice and peas, although, albeit with some hair in it. They did give you, you know, um, we did argue to us about who was the best boxer in the world. We talked about the world, the politics, and everything but. And you never went in there thinking that you get out beyond three hours, <laughs> even if you went for a number one haircut. And so, therefore, that's when it came to me. And uh, when I rocked up at Humphrey Barclays, um, I knew it was a kind of weird omen because um, 
I was following Emma Thompson all the way there. And she kept on looking at me thinking, it's a strange black man following me, do you know what I mean? So um, I, I sat down and I said, look, you know, I'd got this idea. Um, it's called, it's about, it's set in a barbershop. And his face dropped, you know, he goes, oh, yeah, we're all right. So what's that going to be called then? Short and Curly's. And I said, no, 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 it's just going to be called Desmond's, you know, it's about the guy that runs a barbershop. And he says, well, you know, so what does this Desmond do? I said, the last thing he does is cut hair because actually he's useless. He cannot cut hair. He only gives everybody one haircut style. So then I explained to him the whole, you know, for, for me, the social significance of a black barber. And then he got it. He absolutely got it. And, um, and the rest, as they say, is history, you know. And so that was Trix Worrell talking about why, um, you know, and how he kind of got to this conclusion of writing um, a sitcom, a black sitcom based in a barbershop. Um, an unlikely kind of event. It feels like it was meant to be. He was literally driving, well, riding on the bus um, and he witnessed that scene and then decided to go from there and, and pitch that idea to Humphrey Barclay. And just to kind of elaborate on Humphrey Barclay's kind of discontent and I quote he said when he um was pitched this idea my heart sank at this pitch there had already been several series set in salons which tended to feature ladies with blue hair so I wasn't excited at all but he shook his head and said have you ever been in a West Indian barbershop then he started to tell me more the more he told me the more I liked it um and I really love that because the experience you get in uh well, West Indian barbershop then, even even now, is just one of a kind. And he's right, you know, unless you've been in that <laughs> situation and scenario, you can't really say it won't make good TV because it definitely did. And it's kind of the perfect setting. I don't know if any of you um, saw or watched um, Barbershop Chronicles, uh, which was a play that came out um, only a few years ago, I think, um, just before the pandemic. Um, but then it was available on YouTube during lockdown. Um, as kind of an initiative to, like, you know, continue supporting the theatre while they're out of action. Um, and it's a similar story set in, um, uh, I think, the barber's Nigerian, um, who owns a barbershop, I think so anyway, um, but definitely, like, a more West African barbershop than, say, Desmond's, which obviously, um, they're West Indian, they're from Guyana, the, um, the two main characters. And... Yeah, there's just so much to say about a space like a barbershop because especially I think for this one, you know, it's not just a space that men are in. Um, Shirley, his wife, also does women's hair. Um, they have three children. Um, Michael, who is, a, he starts off as assistant bank manager to the local bank um, and then, you know, becomes manager later on. Um, the second child, Gloria, who is kind of really into fashion and media and the arts. Um, and she's like in school when it starts. And obviously, you know, by the time it ends, has left school and is in the working world. And then the youngest boy, Sean, who is in school for the majority and then uni for like the last few seasons. Um, and it, because of this and because they've got children, they can then, you know, touch on really important issues to do with schooling, um, to do with racism and discrimination with young black men. Sean character being one of them. Michael as well. He kind of touches on um, being black in the like professional world, in the corporate spaces. Um, so it, because of this kind of space and the physical space of a barbershop and all these kind of characters that aren't all um affiliated necessarily even with the family some of them are people that are coming to get their hair cut some of them are people from um Shirley and Desmond's past life in Guyana some of them are tr from Trinidad Jamaica 
There's a character called Matthew. He's like the perpetual student from the Gambia. He's literally always doing a course the whole six seasons. There's Pork Pie, who is Desmond's best friend, who was in a band with him in Guyana and has now, you know, come and followed. They've all come to England and he's still, you know, in this friendship with Desmond and, and taking up a chair in the barbershop. Um, there's also the younger generation in the character of um, the Peckham Prince and he is only a wheeler dealer del boy kind of character um and he kind of speaks for that kind of younger generation not those that were necessarily um immigrants and migrated over but they're like you know people we now call as black british you know their parents came over um and made a life for them and they are the next generation of that um, migration um and so you get like a really nice i think broad overview of like black caribbean British culture at that time which I really like um Trix also said that um it was the first black business you saw on television which I think is really important um he said it doesn't matter and <laughs> remember that the guy can't cut hair Desmond's has his Desmond special he can't do anything else most customers who he actually cuts he finishes cutting their hair which is rare complain um but who can they complain to because Desmond owns a barbershop um and you know what he's saying is is that the underlying principle of this show is that if you're a minority in a predominantly white society, you have to laugh, and comedy is what keeps you going. Um, he goes on to say in this interview that was in The Guardian that I didn't write Desmond's for black people, and this is a quote, I wrote it for white people so that they could see how black people really are. At that time, the negative press about muggings and shootings was all we seemed to get. I was fed up with it. So, interestingly enough, because... I obviously, as a black person, watch this show and get so much enjoyment from it because of what it reminds me of or what it reminds me of in terms of the stories I've been told because I wasn't there in the 80s. <laughs> um, but what I will say is the fact that it's very interesting that Trix Worrell said, um, you know, as a Caribbean man himself, he's from St. Lucia, um, he wrote this for white people to subvert and challenge the negative stereotypes that were happening at the time with mugging shootings Um and the media portrayal, which I can only imagine, it doesn't seem to have changed much, really, when you think about it. Um, he was trying to counter that narrative. Um, and it's important, I think, that we understand how important TV can be in something like that, where we're not living in a time where, back then anyway, there wasn't, you know, streaming services or on-demand television or YouTube that you could easily access any show you wanted to. You watched what was on telly at that time on the few channels that existed. Um, and so that re TV could have a real impact on society. And I don't really know, I know my family and the members of my family that are old enough to have watched Desmond's like growing up or as adults then in the 80s, but I've not really ever spoken to um, white people that have watched the show. And I do wonder, did it, you know, give a positive impression of, of black people and what they were doing in Britain at the time? Did it shed light on some of the racial issues? Did it make society a better place? I think it did. Based off of research I've done, there's some other podcasts actually that speak to members of the cast um, and just speak on essentially Desmond's and what it was and what it became. And I think the fact that it's on Netflix and 4OD in 2022 must say something very positive about the show um, and its importance in subverting these negative stereotypes. Now, I think it also has a significance today. Because whilst, you know, people watching it then, and as Trick said, he wanted to challenge their stereotypes, 
today we watch this um, and I personally like to see some of the things acted out that my own family might have spoken about or told stories about. Um, and the fact that, you know, you've got all these very stereotypical characters, we will say, you know, the perpetual student from Africa um, in Michael, from who's from the Gambia in the show. Um, you've got the kind of best friend, the kind of hanger on. You've got the you've got Michael's character who he's really trying to make it in British society by, you know, f- trying to fit into what he believes will get him to bank manager success in the corporate space, which is in proximity to whiteness. Whether that's the way he speaks, the way he dresses, the things he will stand for, um, that's his character. And then you've got Sean who goes through. Um, kind of moment where he kind of starts to learn about black history really seriously and he gets very well I guess what we'd call woke today um and um the daughter Gloria as well um just the kind of the journeys that they go on throughout this show they they do fit into stereotypes and I don't think that's a bad thing because those stereotypes were challenging the stereotypes that were put out by the white media which were in most negative um the show is very funny but it just it thrives on kind of running jokes um, and just kind of like the characters' idiosyncrasies, whether they be um, pork pie shouting Yemen or Matthew's character saying there's an old African saying, and everyone by season six literally groaning because he's said so many African sayings throughout the whole show, um, and people just making constant jokes about him being a student and you know is he ever going to get a real job because all he does is study. Um, so yeah, there are some really funny and interesting stereotypes that, whilst they could be seen maybe as reductive in some ways, um, the fact that there's like no representation at all of black people doing positive things on TV, the fact that you've got this, um, I think is really important. Another great thing about Desmond's is the political commentary um, that's kind of happening at the time and in this kind of overarching plot of um, Desmond and Shirley wanting to, well, not to spoil it, but Desmond wanting to move back to Guyana one day. It's his dream. Um, He's doing all this in the barbershop, you know, owning his own business, employing people, trying to make it as as good as it can be and setting his children up so that they can potentially be self-sufficient if they don't choose to migrate back to Guyana with him. Um, And, you know, in this there is a lot of um, expectation on the family of what it will become, but also on Shirley, the wife, um, who, without spoiling it, doesn't necessarily have the same views about the future as him. There's a clip from episode one, season one, which is something that my granddad used to say when I was younger. Um, and when you hear it, it might make you think. I think I've mentioned it before on this podcast, maybe like in the early, early episodes. But it's just stuck with me the whole time six seasons later um this one comment that Desmond makes um and he says it about the prime minister at the time but it's just so it's not even funny it's scary as to then what unfolds in Britain in around 2016 um with the home secretary at the time so I'll play the clip this I don't I don't even know how I have this here but you know again let's pray for copyright because I definitely (laughs) Definitely probably shouldn't have this. If this episode vanishes and you never see it again, um, after you've listened, maybe a week later, then you know why. Hopefully it won't be too terrible. Are we no nearer building a house back in the Guyana now than we were in 1969? 
You think I ain't gonna make it? You think I ain't gonna get there? Well, I'm gonna build that house if it's the last thing I do, even if I don't live there. <laughs> it would be for the children, so they could know the country of origin, the culture, its roots, so that when one day if Tachi decide to throw us out, we have somewhere to go to, and that goes for you too, little foot, Christy. So if one day Thatcher tries to throw us out, and guess what happened in 2016? It wasn't Thatcher, but the government, did they not throw out the Windrush generation in very large numbers? Um, it's almost as if they knew it was coming and they said it and called it. Um, so yeah, Desmond's whole point of, point of having this house is that his children will know Guyana and he will, there'll be somewhere for them to go back to because um, life in Britain is, is precarious. Um, even though they are British citizens and have migrated over as citizens and all of that good stuff, they understand um, that precarity. Um, and I think that it's something I understand more today following the Windrush scandal, following things like the Nationality and Borders Bill um, more now than I have ever, ever done in my life, which obviously I wouldn't because I've, I've been a child for most of my life. Um, but yeah, I think it was interesting that this was, it set the tone for me anyway of season one episode one because it was like this is a comedy this will be funny it'll be hilarious you will be crying with laughter but there are serious conversations to be had and we're going to do it while we're laughing but we're going to have them anyway um and I really like that um about Desmond's and I think it was interesting watching that I think I started in 2020 um and hearing that comment and it was really weird actually I think I was creating a podcast episode for a podcast I used to speak on educate um and the episode was actually about the Windrush scandal because the uh, report the lessons learned report had just come out um and I was talking about that if you are interested please have a listen or I might do an episode on the scandal on this podcast because um I speak about it a lot but a lot of people actually don't know what exactly happened and why this was why it happened how it how it happened and all that stuff so um if that's an episode that you want please let me know um otherwise I have done that episode just on another podcast um educate podcast um my friend Katie Con who got me into podcasting in the first place she's the reason this kind of exists um but yeah if you do want to listen to that feel free or if you want me to make one maybe in the context of new bills that are coming out today um I could do that so back to Desmond's um, and final parting notes about this wonderful show. I think it's important to maybe speak about characters, especially Norman Beaton, um, who is unfortunately no longer with us. But, you know, was such a like trailblazer when it comes to like black, black people on British television. He was in the Fosters, then into Desmond's and, you know, he didn't live long after that. But his contribution to TV and, and characters like Pork Pie, who actually was Crash's granddad in Tracy Beaker. Um, and that's how I know him first. And he's been in a whole host of things since. Um, Robbie G, who plays Lee, the Peckham Prince, being in The Real McCoy um, afterwards. And The Real McCoy was um, like a sketch show, kind of like Little Britain, but way before Little Britain. And it had like Mira Sayal in it and Eddie Nestor and so many other people. Um, and really did pave the way for black British comedy. And so Norman Beaton, um, he's Guyanese, um, an actor, of course, black British actor, and um, probably the most influ influential of his time. Um, he was actually born in Georgetown, Guyana, and he went on to teach a training college um, and actually served as a deputy head teacher. 
um, at an Anglican school um, in Guyana. And then afterwards, um, he joined a Calypso band, uh, which is kind of in line with Desmond's character. Um, and he moved to London in 1960. Um, he went to London University and taught in Brist- in Liverpool sorry, as the first black teacher in the Liverpool Education Authority before giving up teaching um, to take on acting and to kind of join that profession. And I find it very interesting that he was a teacher before that, especially, you know, one of the first, um, if not the first, in the Liverpool Education Authority. Um, yeah, I, just fa- there's, I find it interesting that there's, and quite cool that there's people out there that were taught by the Norman Beaton um in in school in in Liverpool I wonder if any of them remember him um or went on to watch him in in Desmond's um but yeah essentially Desmond's was kind of his star role after the Fosters he also um performed in London's West End he played Ariel in Shakespeare's The Tempest um you know he had a career um before Desmond's um in teaching and then you know roles before he played um Desmond Ambrose as I mentioned um Norman Beaton wasn't very well um and that's the reason why the sitcom came to an end he retired from the show in December 94 and moved back to Guyana uh, just as his character Desmond was kind of you know thinking of doing the same um but unfortunately he collapsed at the airport and died a few hours later from a heart attack um and so Norman Beaton didn't obviously act again and there was a spin-off of Desmond's um, called Pork Pie, which was about Pork Pie, um, his best friend. Um, and, you know, in that char- in that show, they, like, killed off Desmond's character. Um, and Shirley, his wife, um, played by Carmen Monroe, she isn't in that either. She is said to have migrated back to Guyana. Um, and so, yeah, Pork Pie gets a little spin-off. I haven't watched it, actually. I do need to find it and see if it's available so I can watch it because... And that would be great. Um, and yeah, um, Carmen Monroe as the actress, she remained in Britain, um, continued to act. She was given an OBE in 2007 um, and has, you know, been on to act on stage and um, in films and TV. Um, she was also in The Dumping Ground, which was at Tracy Beaker spin-off. I love Tracy Beaker as a kid. Um, and it's interesting seeing these characters that were there in the 80s, now playing and kind of hitting and touching this generation, i.e., you know, my generation and, and even younger. Um, yeah, Pork Pie went on to play. Pork Pie was played by um, Ramjan Holder, and he played roles, as I said, in Tracy Beaker, EastEnders, Casualty. He was in Death in Paradise. Um, and he was called Pork Pie, by the way, because of his hat was a pork pie hat he always used to wear it his name is Augustus Grant there's only one episode I think where he tells someone um my friends call me pork pie so you can call me Mr Grant because he doesn't like the man um so yep that's him um and then Matthew the perpetual student um who is played by a man called Gilbert Asante um he constantly saying you know it's old African saying um he goes on to keep acting as well um, but he does go back home um, to Ghana, actually, um, when Desmond's ends. And he actually passed away in 2000 um, in Accra. Michael, played by um, Jeff Francis, he goes on to play roles in Star Wars. He's in Killing Eve, EastEnders, Doctors, Holby City. Um, and he also um, is in the spin-off Pork Pie. Um, 
which is 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 quite cool as well. Um, I think it's only Shirley, actually, the only character that's not in the spin-off. Um, Sean Ambrose, the youngest son played by Justin Pickett, um, actually became a primary school music teacher. So, like his on-screen father's real life, um, interestingly enough, um, he played roles. He's not in the final season as much as he is in the, the earlier seasons, um, but he does play roles in The Bill, Holby City and Doctors. Um, and jumps into then a music career and plays in a soul jazz band and then ends up teaching. Um, Kim Walker, who plays Gloria Ambrose, um, she goes on to the spin-off um, and then I believe her last TV appearance was on a show called Celebrity Squares in 1996. Um, she's like the epitome of like the kind of 90s independent woman, probably would have listened to Destiny's Child um, and is just kind of all about you know, being a career woman and, and having the life that she sees fit, not one dictated to her by, like, you know, society standards of being a wife or a mum per se. You know, she kind of wants her career, she wants her independence and all that good stuff. Um, Robbie G plays Lee Stanley. He goes into um, loads of shows, The Real McCoy being probably the one I know the best, but he's also been in Young Dracula, Death in Paradise, Holby City, Standards. All these characters have just kind of seemed to have kind of gone on the same circuit of shows, um, which is quite interesting. Um, and then Dominic Keaton, who plays Tony, who's like one of the only white characters in the show. I think he's the third white character to appear in the show. He is like taken up as Desmond's assistant and then later replaced by um, another young boy after Tony's character leaves the show. And... He goes on as well to star in Prison Break, Star Trek, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, lots of other shows as well. Um, that's if you were wondering where the characters are now. I love those BuzzFeed or whoever else writes those articles of like, um, you know, your favourite show. Where are they now? Um, so I read one of those for this. Um, so I'm happy to be able to report back and share that with you. But essentially, that is Desmond's. Um, it's a really important show to me. I feel like it kind of is a key for me to unlock bits of the past and yes you can read about these things and yes you can see pictures and yes you can kind of um speak to people whether that be your family or friends of that generation that kind of lived through that time it's quite cool to see it play out in like a comedic sense and take from that what you will about the time um but I do think that Desmond's um it's such an iconic show and you know, I don't know if we'll ever have a sitcom like it, a Black British sitcom like it. I hope we do. I hope it's topped one day. Um, but we haven't since 1994 when it ended. But just before I leave you, I just wanted to point out in 2012, um, in Danny Boyle's, um, you know, opening ceremony with a selection of the best of British TV included a clip from Desmond's. Um, and I'll always remember the little mock windrush they had kind of coming in in the procession of the opening ceremony when it was kind of going through Britain's history and the fact that Desmond's made it into a clip about British TV I think it speaks volumes about the impact that this show had on the generation that watched it live uh, and generations that will watch it and continue to watch it in the future so that's all we have time for today thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful week goodbye